We're in Galatians chapter 4, the first five verses. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, that it's filled with the nutrients we need. We're going to receive it today and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the uh, uh, divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you that you're going to minister to your children. They're going to walk away hearing directly from you, and only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's hop right into this uh, first verse. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. And so last week, if you were here, uh, we talked about there was a common uh, custom of the day among the Romans and adopted among the Greeks, that uh, adoption was not where you adopted someone outside of your family. Actually, you adopted your own child. And so once your child was born, it was under guardians and stewards until a certain age. Then they went through a ceremony called sonship, and then they, were, they put a garment of sonship on them, and they were actually adopted legally into that home to where they had full access to the family name, the resources, and be able to participate as an adult. And so to understand that, we need to understand that's what Paul's talking about here. And so he's going to talk about the Jewish nation was under guardians, and talked about that was the law. And so they're under the law, this guardian, until Jesus would come, and then they would get the adoption of sonship. That was the intention. But unfortunately, Israel, by and large, rejected their Messiah, never did accept it. And so by the Gentiles, the message of the gospel came to the Gentiles, and those Gentiles that accepted it were born again, brought into it, and we have been given sonship. And so uh, sonship is not a gender. Sonship is a position. And so all of us as believers are sons of God. Uh, tell someone you're a son of God. Now that's if you're born again. If not, at the end of the service, we'll get you hooked up. But ladies, you are a son of God, a position. It's not a gender. It's a position under the Father. And so we need to understand that. And that's what Paul's talking about. So, so again, look at verse 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is mastered of all. And so Israel was the heir of God's promises made to Abraham. But under the law, they were no more than slaves, not yet receiving the sonship. And so look at the word child, as long as he is a child. It's a very, the Greek language, I love the Greek language, it's very specific. We can say a child, but there's four or five different Greek words would tell you the age of the child. And so here, the, the Greek word napios means an infant. Literally, napios means not able to speak, not speaking, not able to speak yet. And so this word means one that's a baby as long as he's a baby or an infant, he's a child and he's no, he's, he doesn't get the sonship. And so you know what a baby Christian is? 
A baby Christian has not yet learned to, learned to speak the word of God over their situation. They speak what they feel. <laughs> Look at your finances. <laughs> oh, I got a symptom. <laughs> they said this about me. <laughs> they haven't learned yet. To speak the word of God over what they see, hear, and feel. So a child must mature to be able to prepare to handle sonship. And the law was sent to prepare the Jewish nation for sonship. However, by and large, the Jewish nation did not learn from the tutor, did not learn from the guardian, did not learn from the law. And what was the law sent to do? To show them their need of a savior. It was to show them they were a sinner Show them that they were not able to enter into what God had to them by their own works. And so the Jews, by, by and large, did not accept the fact what the law showed them that they were sinners. And so uh, look at Luke chapter 5, look at verse 30. This is Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees of the day. <clears throat> Luke 5.30 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That's the Republicans and sinners. <laughs> Luke 5.31, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners, say sinners, sinners. to repentance. They didn't realize they were sinners. And so the Gentiles, though, were looking on the outside. They knew they were sinners. They knew they were, they were uh, not in the covenant. They knew they were outside. They knew that they didn't have what, what it took. And so, matter of fact, the Jews actually always called the Gentiles sinners. They called them the sinners of the Gentiles. And so whenever a Jew saw a Gentile, he called them sinner. And so but the Gentiles goes, yeah, I agree, I am. And so when the gospel came that they could be made right with God, they said, yeah, sign me up. I, yeah, I, I like that. You mean I could be part of the covenant and be part of the blessings and I don't, I don't deserve it and done anything for it? Yeah, I like that. But the Gentiles, I mean the Jews basically thought that they were worthy of themselves. And they rejected the gospel. They rejected Christ. It says that if, it's, if you're still a child... You don't differ at all from a slave. So when you were young in the Roman household, yeah, you, you may be the heir, a parent of all the estate, but you were no different than any of the slaves that were in the, actually in the house. You didn't have any rights. And so living under legalism and religion will make you into a slave. And so under the law, they, they lived as a slave. They didn't differ as a slave. And so living under legalism, what's that? That's what you're trying to do to become worthy of the Lord, to be acceptable by him. Now, we can all say, yeah, isn't that horrible? That, I would never do that. But you need to really do a heart check. Do I really believe that I'm just as I ought to be before the Father because of what Jesus has done for me? Or is there something I'm still trying to do to be made right before God, to be acceptable to him, to get him to, to move in my life. And to the degree that you're doing something in order to get God to respond to you or, or you to be accepted by God, you're in legalism. 
and you're a slave. A slave. And so God wants us to enter into a grace and sonship relationship with God. This involves a personal loving relationship. Uh, do you know there's no relationship in a master-slave situation? There's no relationship there. What, what's it based on? A master-slave situation is about commands, obedience, and evaluation of performance. You didn't hug your slave. Oh, come here. Oh, good night. No, no. You're basically, did you do what I told you to do? Did you, did you obey? Did you follow? And you didn't obey. You got punished. And there was no relationship. You know, multitudes of Christians are in a works mentality, a religious mentality with God, but there's no heart relationship with God, or very little. It's based upon commands, obedience, and evaluation of performance. Have I done enough? And, and the enemy's always there to help out and point out where you haven't done enough. And so God wants us to enter into a love relationship that's built on trust and love, not just, not just performance. The main focus of law living is what you're doing. How, how do I know I'm in a law relationship with the Lord? My focus is about what I'm doing. Either I need to start doing this more or I need to stop doing this. And that's where your focus is. That's where your energy is. I need to start. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know I, know I need to do this. I need to start this. I need to, I need to do this. Or I need to stop. St tell someone stop it. <laughs> and that's what we're screaming. Just stop it. I got I to gotta do whatever I got to do to stop this. But what's subconsciously, why? Because we're living under this performance where God accepts you based on what you're doing or not doing. Because i got to stop doing this for God to accept me. And you know what? If you're in a law relationship, you're blind to it. Jesus called the Pharisees blind guides. You're blind. And so, so we need the help of the Holy Spirit to show us that we're in this, this, this mindset because we're blind to it. Do you know that you've never seen your face? Yeah, I mean, every time I saw a picture, I, yeah, that's me. No, that's a reflection. That's an image. You've never seen your face. You're blind to yourself. And so you need the Holy Spirit to show things to you about you or that's why God's given you your spouse. Because they're more than willing to show you what you don't see. <laughs> what do you call a single man? Someone that needs help but doesn't know it. <clears throat> there you go. So it says, they don't differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. And so a master is a possessor uh, something, a lord over something, that someone's been given authority over something. And so a child of God's been born of God, but when you were born of God, you were not like the Romans to where you have to wait for a long period of time to mature before you could use the family name. What's the family name? Jesus. 
You didn't have to wait for a long time and graduate Karis Bible College before you could be trusted with the resources and the blessings of the family. No, under grace, you were born of God, but you're also, the minute you were born again, you were conferred with sonship. You have full adult legal status, even though maybe you're not fully mature yet. Ask someone, have, do you need to grow up? <laughs> Again, as children born of God, which we are, immediately we're given this sonship. We were adopted immediately when you were born again. You didn't have to wait like the Romans. However, if we're fleshly and immature, we're unable to exercise our authority as we should, and, live, and we end up still living like slaves, even though we're master of all. It's possible for a Christian to be enslaved. Can we, like, is it cold in here? Can we make it a little warmer? Someone that knows what they're doing? I don't know what I'm doing, so. Someone that has authority. There you go. I'm master of all, but I'm a slave. Who knows? <laughs> it's possible for a Christian to be enslaved to the flesh and sin in their experience, even though they're master in the position. And it says master of all. Say all. all. I did a deep word study on the word all. And it means all. That means possessor of all. As a son of God... You're the possessor of all things the Father has. Everything. Well, I don't see it. Well, see, you got your toddler pants on. So you're not ready yet to walk in your authority because you're walking by sight, not walking by faith. What's the demarcation of maturity in the Christian walk? Is you're walking by faith, by what the Word says, not by your feelings, not by what you physically see or you physically hear, but you're guided by the Word of God and the revelation of it in your heart. And a large majority of Christians are immature. They're babies. But they're possessors of all things. Look at Ephesians 1.3. What's included in all these all things? We looked at this last week, but some are new. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is blessed. Your Father's blessed, but how blessed are you? Who has blessed us with all or every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Tell someone you're blessed. And when you put your faith in your inheritance, you can't see. Faith lays hold of it. You speak it and act on it, and faith brings it into substance. You don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem. You have a faith problem. You don't have a healing problem. You have a revelation problem. Uh, look at 2 Peter 1.3. What, what, is, what is this? As a master, as a son, this is what, what's been given to you. But are you walking in it? If you're not walking in this, then there's still, you still have some growing up to do. Well, I didn't come to church for Mabel for him to talk to me this way. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. 
We're like that. <laughs> Second Peter 1.3. As his divine power will give us, clueless translation, as his divine power has given to us, that pertain to life, that's natural life, and godliness, which is your spiritual life, through the knowledge, see, that's it, through the knowledge, epinosis, revelation knowledge, higher knowledge, revelation knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. You've been given master of all, you have all, but it's through revelation knowledge, and so there's some maturing to go if you're not walking in this, And, and I'm not fully walking in it, there's still room to grow, and Joanne said, Amen. <laughs> first, first Corinthians 3, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, that all things are yours. First Corinthians 3, look at verse 21. Therefore, let no one boast in men for some things, all things are yours. Well, he didn't really mean that. Does God mean what he means? Does God mean what he says? Yes. And he means what he means, too. Go to verse 22. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world... Or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. All are yours. Tell someone you're loaded. You're like a can of Prego. It's all in there. But it's in the spirit realm. Your inheritance is in the spirit realm. You 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 have to have revelation knowledge of it by the Spirit of God, and then you get your faith has to lay hold of it and says, "I have that." I am that, I have that, I can do that, and faith in speaking, you can't divorce it. I believed in my heart, therefore I spoke. The abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. So faith and speaking are connected. You need to start speaking what you, who you are, what you have, and what you can do because you're in Christ Jesus. And then you need to act on it. And so again, we must renew our minds to our new position in Christ in order to be actually act as master of all things in Christ Jesus. And so we cannot wear our toddler pants, spiritually speaking, and be master of all things. Tell someone, get out of your toddler pants. (laughs) Going back to the nation of Israel, that under the law, they, they were children, they were slaves, the law was there to, to, for the purpose of bringing them to Christ to receive sonship, verse 2. But they're under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Look at the word guardian. That was what we looked at last week. A guardian was a pedagogue. It was a half babysitter chaperone. It was A guardian was given control over the daily life of the child, to watch over the child. Uh, this guardian took the child to school, back from school. The, the, the guardian was not the teacher, but led them to the teacher. And so the guardian was also in charge of discipline. 
Whenever the child got out of line, the guardian uh, disciplined them, pointed out their errors and their standards that they must reach. That's what the law did. The law was a guardian. It watched over their life. It was, the guardian wasn't the parent, did not give life did not give life to Israel. It regulated their life. It, it disciplined them. It showed them where they were wrong. It showed them the standards that they needed to reach. And the law showed that they could not. And so then when Jesus came, Jesus actually uh, will make you right. When you got born again, you were made right. You used to be wild. Wild thing. Ungovernable. Retrobate. Retrobate? That doesn't sound right. Because it's not right. What's the reprobate? Not a retrobate. Reprobate. But praise God, when you got born again, baby got new genes. He made you right. He made you the righteousness of God. And who you are, you are a spirit being, and who you are is in the spirit. But notice what it says, not only guardians, but introduce a new term, steward. Steward. Steward is a household manager. So the guardian actually watched over the children themselves. A steward watched over the property and the finances of the family. So, so the steward watched over the property uh, and managed the property until the young man could take it over himself. He watched over the finances and, and, uh, and gave out allowances until the child was old enough to handle his own finances. Because if you give the full pocket book to, the, to a young child, uh, they're going to have a lot of gummy bears and, and <laughs> toys and all kinds of stuff and waste it all on that. Uh, one time my nephew, uh, I handed him my, my phone or my tablet or whatever, and, and uh, they wanted to purchase a little game on the, for, their ta for the tablet. And so I went ahead and did that, put the information, got them a little game. Well, they got hold of my information, and all of a sudden I had hundreds of dollars of all these wonderful games that I bought. See, when you're immature, you're not ready to handle the resources properly, and it'll end up being spent upon yourself. So stewards. So you're under guardians and stewards to the time appointed by the Father. The time of sonship was determined by the Father. And so uh, Jesus said that it's not up to, us, up to us to know the times and the seasons that God has put in his authority and power. God doesn't act willy-nilly. He has a timetable set for all things. Even in your life, there's certain things that God has a timetable for. And the problem is we don't like that timetable. We want our timetable. And our timetable is always faster and quicker than his timetable. We like microwave meals. And God's into slow home, cooking, and we're into TV dinners. No, no you, you need to let God's timetable, because he, tell someone God's cooking something up in your life. Don't throw it in the microwave. You'll dry it out. 
I'm speaking to someone in here. You're, you're pushing. You're pushing stuff. You're, you're, and it's not fitting. You're like me trying to work putting a puzzle together. There you go. That fits. It don't fit. It don't go there. That comes later. Someone in this room, you're pushing. And you're forcing. And there's no grace to it, and you're trying to make it happen. Tell someone to stop it. Verse 3. Even so we, when we were children... We're in bondage, and, and, and we, speaking of the, of the Jewish nation, he's still speaking of Israel. Paul was a Jew. We Jews. Even we Jews, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. In this argument, Paul's using analogies that apply to the history and situation of the Jewish nation. The Galatians were considering coming under the law. It seemed uh, appealing by the false teachers, that they adopt the law. Paul's saying, okay, I just want you to understand what this is all about if you become under the law. I'm going to show you a history of the Jewish nation because we were under the law. Paul's trying to explain what the law was all about to the Galatians to show them they really didn't want to come under it. It would be a huge step backwards from where they were. It would be from going from sonship to slavery be going from adulthood to being a baby. And so it says, when we were children, we were in bondage, say bondage, bondage. under the elements of the world. Look at the word elements. Elements means any first thing. It was, it was used for the fundamental principles. It was used for the ABCs. A, a, so Paul brought out a child. He brought out a child several times. He's talking about a child, a young child. And the first thing you taught a child was their ABCs. And so he's bringing out that you were under, uh, we were under the bondage under the ABCs of the world. And so for some, some 15 centuries, Israel had been in kindergarten and grade school learning their spiritual ABCs so that they would be ready when Christ would come. Now, in the Greek alphabet, the whole world knew the Greek alphabet because the whole world spoke Greek. And so the first letter is alpha, and the last letter was beta. alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, eta, zeta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, xi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, psi, o, uh, so in, that's the alphabet of the Greek. So, that, so they were learning their spiritual alphabet, until Jesus came with the full revelation as he was the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between it. A child learns spelling by using lettered blocks or learning to identify objects by pictures. Remember, sometimes we learn that way, right? Well, the law was full of shadows, pictures, ordinances, and rituals to learn the ABCs of spiritual realities and all of those picture Jesus. The law taught about God and his standards. The law revealed the fundamental lessons that God is a holy God and he must punish sin. 
That man is not holy. He's a sinner that needs salvation. And what would God have to do to save man and still be righteous in himself? An innocent substitute would have to die. Every lamb, every bull, every bullock represented Jesus. And so in the law was pictures that show the ABCs of spiritual reality. For the Galatians to go under the law would be the same as us reading Shakespeare and then going back and rehearsing our ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S. And you've been reading Shakespeare. Tell someone you don't want to go back under the law. Elements of this world, this natural world. The law pertained to what was only seen in the natural physical world. There was priests and tabernacles and animals and there were all the natural things that you could see as pictures of spiritual things. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time, say fullness of time. See, God has a fullness of time in your life. And, and it's not yet full for most of you. got your attention? (laughs) God has a perfect timing. I'm talking to singles. God has a perfect timing. Doesn't have a perfect person. But he has a perfect timing for you. And so he has a fullness of time. Fullness of time. Do you know it took Jesus four, uh, it took him six, uh, four, 4,000 years to come on the scene? 4,000 years. After the fall, out of Adam and Eve. 4,000 years. Which was the right time. It was the fullness of time. Well, no, why, why, I don't agree. Why, why isn't it quicker? Uh, it wasn't full. It wasn't the right time. Well, why hadn't God moved in my life yet? It's not the right time. Now, I'm not talking about, well, I guess I'm not healed. It's not the right time. No, no. faith says I have it now. But I'm talking about the manifestation of it. You have nothing to do with manifestation. You have a, your part is to believe you receive. You have it. Let God take care of manifestation. Some manifestations take longer than others. Some seeds of plants take longer to come up than others. You know there's a form of bamboo? You plant that and water it for seven years and see nothing. And overnight. Overnight. Tell someone it's about to come up, bamboo. But don't dig up the seed. Why is this not working? Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Keep speaking. Keep standing. God takes care of the manifestation. In the fullness of time had come. 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Well, in the book of Daniel, Daniel gave the precise time that Messiah would come the first time. Daniel 9, 24 through 26, it said that 70 years have been given to the Jewish people. And after 69 weeks, that's, that's uh, 483 years, in 483 years, Messiah will come and then he'll be cut off. And so there's 490 years total. And so there's the missing seven years. And, and so they thought in Jewish mind that Messiah would come at year 483 and then he would set up his kingdom. But no, God, God said, I got something for you you don't realize. I have the mystery that I'm going to... So, he, so the, the time clock was ticking off 483 years and Messiah came and he clicked it off. And when Jesus died, he clicked that off. And then he inserted the, the, age, the mystery of the church age in there for 2,000 years. And the church age mystery clock had been on for 2,000 years. And when the rapture takes place, we'll be taken out. And then the last seven years, he'll pick up the Jewish time clock and click it. And the last seven years, called the tribulation, will, will, will tick off. But they knew exactly Jesus came 483 years after the decree was given to build the temple. So, so he came in the fullness of time. Say the fullness of time. What needed to happen in the world to get ready for Jesus? Well, first of all, prophet after prophet needed to prophesy all the different aspects about Jesus. See, so God prophesies things in the earth before they manifested. That's why he's been sending you prophetic words. That's why he's been speaking things so, so you can start speaking them. See, the prophetic words to you have been, are given to be prophetic words from you. But all of you have been receiving words from God saying, well, whenever, I guess whatever, if that happens, I'll just sit back and watch it. No, no, no. God, why didn't God speak directly to the earth? Because he doesn't have the authority over the earth. You do. So he, he has to prophesy to you what he, what he wants to see happen in the earth, and then you prophesy what's been prophesied to you. He told Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. God didn't prophesy to the bones. And he says, and Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded, and suddenly there was a rattling. And so, not, so, so you guys, not everybody's supposed to be in the office of a prophet. There's a lot of non-profit prophets. <laughs> Few of us are in the office of a prophet, but every single person listening to my voice is called to be the prophet over your life. Amen. To speak the word of God over your situation of what will happen. So, so not only did he need to be prophesied in all the different aspects that he would fulfill, but the Greek civilization through Alexander the Great, provided a language that spread across the known world, and all of the world spoke it. Alexander the Great was a, a tremendous general, and he conquered the known world. And every time he conquered a people, he forced them to learn Greek. And by the time Jesus came, the whole world could speak one language and could hear and understand the language. And the New Testament was written in... The Romans later, they brought peace throughout the empire and built a, a huge system of beautiful roads 
that made land travel quicker and safer than ever before. So the Romans set up so that the gospel could get around the world. And then the Jews were expectant and eagerly waiting for their Messiah. And so a messianic fever was at its height when Jesus came into the world. So it was at the perfect time Jesus came. God sent forth his son. Say, sent his son. Sent his son. That means his son, the son of God had previous existence before earth. Before he became a man, he was called the son. And you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So before Genesis 1-1, Jesus Christ was. God sent his son into the earth. He's divine. You need to understand that Jesus Christ is divine. He's the second member of the Godhead. He is God the Son, called the Son of God. And he always has been. But notice it says he was born of a woman. Say born of a woman. This is his humanity. Jesus was 100, say Jesus was 100% God. But he was also 100% man in one person. That makes him unique. That's why it makes him different than you. He, 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 was, he was unique. He was a unicue. In his humanity, Jesus came into existence in time. His body came into existence in time 2,000 years ago in a cradle. In his deity, the Son of God has, has always been. Notice it says born of a woman. It didn't say born of a man and a woman. Born of a woman, it's a virgin birth. He was born. See, guys, there's certain things you've got to believe to be a Christian. First of all, you've got to believe Jesus Christ is both God and man. He is the Lord. You must confess him as Lord. He's Lord. He's, he, he's, he's divine. But, he, but you also believe he has to be fully man, too. To lay hand on God and lay hand on man at the same time and bring covenant. But you also have to believe he was virgin born. Why? Because if he was born of a man and a woman, he was corrupted, has a sin nature like everybody else. No, he's born of a virgin. He got his blood from his father. The eternal blood of God that was shed for you. So he was not only born, uh, not only was he sent, but he was born of a woman. He was born under the law. Jesus chose to come at a point where the, the law was in place, and he came and was born under the Mosaic law. Why? So he could fulfill it. Jesus did not come primarily to die. No, I'm pretty sure he did. No, he did come to die, but first he came to live. Because if he came to die, he could have died when he was th three, when Herod tried to kill him. Or, or when he was 12, when he presented the time. He could have just died then. No, he, he came to live first for 33 years he came to live fulfilling the law as me and for me, as you and for you. Because God demanded perfection from humanity and none of us could give it to him. God demanded perfection. For he to declare that you're right with me, that I can bless you and I can be moving on. So, so no man could do it. So Jesus came, he lived under the law and fulfilled it in thought, word, and deed, all 613 commandments. He fulfilled it. 
And then on the cross, he took all of our transgressions where we broke it. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a divine exchange. He's taken away all your guilt, all of your transgressions, and you get his perfect righteousness as a man under the law. And now God moves in your life based on that righteousness, not your version of it. See, the problem is we want to insert our version and what we deserve and what we've done and are doing and what we promise to stop doing for God to move in our life. And no, it has to be fully faith on Jesus' per perfect performance because it's a finished work. Tell someone your work's not finished. And might as well just stop working on it because it's not good enough. I mean, I've done crafts before. Matter of fact, I made a shirt in home ec. I should have stopped. When I realized that it wasn't right, but I know I kept on. And then they made us wear it. Our project, we got, had to wear, and I was like, well, that's the that was like. It wasn't a, I looked like some kind of weird animal. So. Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Redeem. Redeem means to pay a purchase price, to, to pay a debt. See, sin is a debt. And we all have sinned and we have a debt that's owed. And so Jesus came to pay the price. What's the debt for our sins? It's not grounding. A slap on the hand. No, the wages of sin. See, a lot of people, a lot of Christians are trying to pay for their sins by, by depression. Well, they're, they're, they just, they get, they, well, I'm just going to be depressed and beat myself. Because depression is beating yourself up. It's internal anger. Depression is inward anger. And so, but, but sweetheart, that you're, 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 you're not going far enough. If you're going to pay, then you, there's death. Now, don't kill yourself. I'm not saying, always oh, admit, no, I'm not saying that. You don't have to die because someone else did it for you. Jesus Christ died and paid your debt. And by faith, you can accept his perfect righteousness as your own. It's like making a 50 on your grade and you're like, well, you can trade it for 100. Well, I'm too proud. I'm going to keep my 50. Well, suffer. I'm not. I'm going to take the 100. Jesus performed 100. That's, all, that's God's grade, 100. Redeem those who are under the law that we might receive. Say receive. Say, might receive. Oh, what, where's might? Might means that it is not a foregone conclusion where he makes everybody receive it. Universalism teaches die, Jesus died for everybody, and then Jesus makes everybody right with him. He'll make everybody reconciled and make everybody go to heaven, make everybody born again, and that's a lie. The foundation of love is choice. God gives you a choice. 
Raise your hand if you've chosen. Amen. Then guess what? You received the adoption as a son. You're no longer in a slave relationship with God. But are you living like it? Well, Pastor, I have a lot of things, a lot of things in my life I don't have right now. Well, how are you going to receive them? Are you going to work for them? Try to deserve them? Try to stop doing the bad stuff? That'll impress them. He's going to simply receive it freely as a son. As we've seen in the time of the Bible, times in Romans, they adopted their own children and they became legal sons. Our adoption, our adoption as Christians involves all three parts of our being, not just your spirit. Right now, if you're born again, your spirit has entered into the adoption. Your spirit has full sonship right now. But your soul is the process to by why you're understanding your sonship. You're, you're appropriating your sonship on a progressive level in your soul, your mind, your will. You're renewing your mind. Tell someone your peanut's not fully roasted. <laughs> it's working, it's working, it's working. It's working, it's working, it's working. Because we still have part of us that still feels like i got to earn this thing. But guess what? It's even include your body. Your body's going to enter into full adoption. Look in Romans 8.23, I'll show you. Romans 8.23. We're spirit, soul, and body. Your body is going to end up entering into the sonship, and you'll look just like the sun. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. You know what I'm talking about when you get up out of the couch, off the couch. You're, oh. You 20-year-old, I don't know what you're talking about. You will. <laughs> even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption. Well, I thought I was adopted. Well, hold on, hold on. Waiting for the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. Tell someone this is not as good as it gets. There's going to be some ironing. Those wrinkles are going to go out. We're going to get a resurrection body just like Jesus's. Exactly. Philippians tells us that our body, our resurrected body will look just like Jesus. That means I'll be able to walk through walls. Because during the millennium, there's going to be a natural race of people still living that made it through the end of the tribulation. But we'll, we'll be glorified in our glorified bodies, ruling and reigning with Jesus. I'm going to walk through a wall and scare, freak someone out. And I'll say, fear not. And the Lord will say, stop it. Yes, sir. This promise of adoption was actually given to Israel. It was given to Israel. 
But look at Romans 9, look at, look at this. It was given to Israel, this promise of adoption. Romans 9, look at verse 4 through 8. Who are Israelites, who? Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption? The glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Well, I'm not, I'm not a Jew. I'm not an Israelite, so how, come, how can I get the adoption? Well, hold on. Not all Israel's Israel. Who's Israel in the eyes of God? Keep reading. Of whom are the fathers from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. He is divine. He's 100% God. Keep reading. But it is not that the word of God has taken none effect, for they, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Well, who's of Israel? Keep reading. Nor are they all children because they're the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. Keep reading. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. It's those that are, believe upon the Messiah. When you believe upon the Messiah, you become Israel. You're spiritual Israel. You've been grafted into Israel. And so there are some Jews today in the natural, they have a natural covenant with God, but it doesn't make them born again. Just because they're a Jew doesn't make them born again. Jesus, uh, there was a prophecy in the Old Testament Abraham that says, your, your seed shall be as the stars of heaven, and as the sand of the sea. A natural race and a spiritual race. The natural Jews are the sand of the sea, but you are the stars of heaven. Tell someone you're a superstar. And you are spiritual Israel. There's a natural Israel. We didn't replace Israel. We got grafted into Israel. And you got grafted into adoption. And you're a son of God. So I want to end with... A, a story that we're all familiar with, but maybe not as much as we thought. Look at Luke 15, look at verse 11. This is what's called the prodigal son. Talk about how do you enter into sonship, but what means do you enter into sonship? Well, pastor, I've read this. I know everything there is to know about this story. I'll bet you don't. Let's read Luke 15, 11. Then, then, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to his livelihood. This is nice. The young son come and says, uh, I don't really want to wait until you're dead. Will you give me what I have now? That's lovely. So the father did it. He divided to them, both of them, their livelihood, his livelihood. He gave, he gave them all that he had. Look at verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son, the immature son, gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. See, he wasn't mature enough yet to be able to handle it. But the father in this story is not a Roman father. He's the heavenly father. And right the minute you get born again, he freely gives you everything that he has. But so many Christians aren't mature enough to use it for God's purposes for which he gave it. And we use it upon ourselves. 
There's so many Christians wanting the blessings of God to spin it upon themselves. They want healing so they, don't feel, so they can feel better, so they can go live their own life. They want money so they can get another car and get a flat TV. They want to get all this other stuff, but it's not for the purpose for which God gave the finances. He wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed swine, not good for a Jew. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that swine ate, and no one gave him anything. See, this boy is an entitled boy. He came to the father and says, give me what's owed to me. He was entitled. And now he's serving and he's looking for people to give him things. But no one gave him anything. Verse 17, you ever met anybody entitled? But when he came to himself, the hungrier you get, the, the quicker you get, you come to yourself. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's a good thing to admit. And I, and I am no longer worthy. Hold on. Don't read so quick. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy. His thought was, I'm worthy. You, this, you owe this to me. This is owed to me. So now he has a slave mentality. I'm not worthy, and now I'm begging you. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son did not know the heart of the father. But he's getting it revealed to him right here. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and he was about to say, make me your hired servant. But the father went. Shut up. All this hired servant stuff. We talk that. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. So the robe was the robe of sonship. The ring was authority. And his sandals was his standing as a son. Slaves didn't wear sandals. They were barefoot. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now the older son, where was he? Working, 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 working in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and asked, what do these things mean? Usually people understand music and dancing. But religious, crusty people don't understand joy. What does this mean? 
And he said to him, your brother has come. Woohoo! And because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out. The son's closer, the younger son's closer to the father than the other one is, although he was working and stayed home. And so he answered and said to the father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. Gotta, you gotta, no, that's not how he said it. He says, Look, I've been slaving for you. Slaving. That's how he said it. And you haven't even given me a little goat. That I might make merry with my friends. See, he was trying to earn it. He was trying to deserve it. And the father recognized it and then gave it to him. The God doesn't, God doesn't recognize your working for things. He doesn't give to you based on how hard you're working. And the devil says, you're, well, you need to try harder. The harder you try, grace resists works. Uh, but as soon as this son of yours, you can call him a name, son of yours, I've just inherited him out of my family, has devoured your livelihood with harlots, Never said he spent it with harlots, but apparently he's thinking harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is already yours. You could have had the fatted calf anytime you chose to. But you're trying to earn it. You're trying to work for it. You're trying to slave for it. Okay, so out of the three, some people say, well, God the, fa the Father is the main character in this story. Raise your hand if you believe the Father is the main story. Okay. You say, well, no, the younger son, how his whole story about how he no longer is worthy, realizes he can't earn it. He, so, raise your hand if he's the main character. Okay, the elder son that was slaving and doing his best to work for it, who thinks that that's the main character? You're like, I'm not, I'm not choosing. <laughs> well, in the story, you have God the Father represented. You have us, both the humanity. But guess what? Whenever you see a story, you need to ask yourself, where's Jesus? The main character is the missing hidden character in the story. It's the fatted calf. The fatted calf represents Jesus Christ. The fatted calf is mentioned three times in the story. Three is the number of redemption. And it says kill the fatted calf. The word kill is the Greek word sacrifice. Sacrifice. Fatted. Speaks of the excellencies of. He says come, put the robe on, put the ring on, put the sandals on sacrifice the fatted calf. 
See the, see, the older wanted the blessings without the fatty calf. He was looking for a goat. The reason you're a son, the reason you have authority, and the reason he's want to bless you is because of the fatty calf that's been sacrificed for you. And when you put your faith in Christ Jesus' sacrifice for you, simply receive. Simply receive. And when you do it that way, you'll use it for his purposes and not for yourself. Because the blessings of God is not owed to you and can't be earned. But there's one that was sacrificed to make you worthy to be a son. So this is your homework. I want you to go home and make a list of things that you are lacking in the natural in your life. Make a list of things that you're like, well, yeah. yeah." But beyond that, make a list of things you want. Oh, no, I just, I would dare not be selfish enough to, just what I need. No, no, I'm talking about what you want. God is interested in, in not only the bare necessities, He's interested in what your desire is. And I want you to write those things down. And then I ask, invite the Holy Spirit into this to check your heart. Do you either have an attitude where you think God owes you these things? See, that mentality is often seen at Christmas time with children. Children often think Christmas presents and gifts are owed to them. They are not. Gifts are not owed to you. Well, are certain gifts owed to me? No, it's not. It's unmerited favor given to you. And second of all, but ask yourself, are you subtly trying to work for it? Are you trying to earn it? Are you trying to be a hired servant? Or are you just simply realizing Jesus, the fatted calf, was sacrificed for me? And he's the one that made me worthy to receive, and I'm going to receive it into my life. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God today. I thank you, Father, that you're showing us what's true in our heart and revealing grace to us and revealing a sonship. And your heart, your heart that's already given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and you delight that we're blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. I saw this sheep. There was this meadow, and there was one sheep who had been separated from the flock, and the sheep was crying out, and it wanted to be part of the flock, but it had been separated in some way. And then all of a sudden, I saw on the meadow these legs and the robe and I knew it was the shepherd and the shepherd was walking to the sheep intentionally with great effort to reach the sheep and as soon as he reached the sheep he put his hand down on the sheep's head and then he knelt down and he grasped the sheep and he pulled it up next to himself and he gently carried the sheep back to the herd and to the flock and then he sat down in the middle of the flock with the sheep and he held that little sheep in his hands and in his arms until the 
the sheep saw that he was part of the herd and that he had never left but in his mind he felt like he didn't belong and he stayed with the sheep and he comforted the sheep until the sheep relaxed in his presence and then the sheep went back into the herd and I just feel as though there's someone here who has perhaps seen themselves as being separated from the flock in some way and I just want you to know that the shepherd is with you and and you've never been separated except in your mind and I just invite you to relax into his presence and know that you belong and that you were never actually strayed but that you're safe in his presence. <laughs> 